Good afternoon. It's another Friday on Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen, and here's your host, Andrew Gominson. Hello, Dan. Uh, it's good to be with you. And those of you who have listened to this show for any length of time know that one of the topics that never gets old to us is discussing the sanctity of human life. And one way that we can do that is, thankfully, through the power of drama and film. Now, this film, kind of like Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary that we reviewed a little while ago about Mr. Rogers, uh-huh. I kind of hesitated to review it because there was some content that at best is mature. But mm-hmm. I still feel um, compelled overall to review this film. Why? Because the subject matter is so important. And I feel like even for those who have solidified their position or believe they've solidified their position for life, they really still, it would benefit them to see this film because it awakens within us the, the gravity of the situation. Yes. I think sometimes even though on the surface we can say, well, I'm pro-life, I never would do an abortion, I don't want anybody else to, when you watch a film like Gosnell, which is what we're reviewing today, you will see that there are some very real atrocities that need to be addressed. Now, I would hasten to say that this story is not not as much about abortion as it is about an unethical abortionist who crossed the line even according to most abortionists. Because apparently in Pennsylvania where this took place, there is a um, age of viability restriction like after the 34th week, I believe, or, um, you know, in the in the late second trimester, early third trimester, you're not allowed. I think it's the thirty fifth. Um, is it the twenty fifth week? I forget exactly what the week is, but there's a week of viability after which you're not allowed to do an abortion. Uh-huh. And Kermit Gosnell would knowingly fudge the numbers on that, saying he was the doctor and so therefore he knew best. <laughs> he had a filthy abortion clinic. And he was known to kill babies who were born alive when the abortion failed. And so he actually went to prison for three counts of murder. And he also was charged with a, a an illegal drug operation, which is actually how they originally got investigated. Oh, wow. So this story um, is important, even though it was kind of blacklisted. From the media when it was going on in 2013, there was actually a photo that went viral about a media section in the courtroom being completely empty. Oh, and wow. And then once that happened, the media started showing up and covering it more. And this movie is based on the court transcripts. And perhaps the weirdest part about it is the fact that he has this absolutely messy house. And as they're going through his house, investigating it, trying to find the drugs, trying to figure things out. He's just sitting there playing classical music and they actually, on the piano. And they actually showed live video footage of that during the credits. So we know that part was true. So that all that to say, as we do our quote of the day, um, and as we have this discussion, it is a hard movie to see. Although I will tell you that most of the violence and gore that is referred to is merely implied, not shown. They were very careful about that because they still wanted people to be able to go to this film yeah. and see it so they can pass on the message 
without being overly grossed out. But we do yes. need to be aware of the severity of the issue. And so I, th- so I thought it was too important to pass up being able to do an episode. Okay. So quarter of the day. Okay, here we go. After watching the Gosnell movie, I'm angry, I'm sad, and I'm more motivated than ever to end abortion. Every American should watch Gosnell. If pro-choice, they need to watch it and be able to defend their beliefs. If pro-life, they need to watch it and ask themselves why they aren't active in ending this atrocity. This movie should be screened on college campuses in our nation. Kristen Hawkins. And I forgot to put her place, but she was from Students for Life, um, the National um, Students for Life of America. So the national arm of Students for Life. And that was her take. And I really think she's right because we have an apathy in our country. And it is the things that we don't know about are things we don't have to react to. Yeah. And quite frankly, Dan, when I did got my wisdom teeth out, I had to watch a 20-minute video about all the complications that might occur. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, it's not likely, but it's possible that you can be severely damaged uh-huh. by even that because it is a surgical procedure. Yep. Surgery is always and, risky. And if you had any semblance of that before going into abortion, most people would not go through with it because they would realize the reality. Yep. So as we listen to this trailer, I just want you to think about that and consider, you know, bringing your older teens, in this case, 15, 16 on up probably, to uh-huh. go see this film so you can stimulate discussion about it. And we'll discuss it more after the trailer. All right. Here we go. All right, listen up. We are looking for anything that looks like drugs or paraphernalia. Philadelphia Police Department, we have a search warrant. What is that smell? I mean, you got to see this. This is normal. I don't know. I've never been in an abortion clinic before. You are not going to believe what I saw last night. How many? So far, we found over 30 of them. Healthy woman goes into a clinic, comes out dead, and there's no police report? Files have been moved recently. Look at this. You'll be the prosecutor who went after reproductive rights, and you'll be a racist to boot. You've got a lot of folk who'd like to see abortion outlawed. And this is not going to be the case that gives them an excuse. Prosecution has offered you a plea bargain, Dr. Gosnell. And I would have to admit I was guilty. I'm not guilty. When you get to the courthouse, you are going to be swarmed by reporters. You ready for this, counsel? Where is everybody? When was the last time your division inspected Dr. Gosnell's clinic? We had instructions directly from Governor Ridge's office not to inspect. We can testify in that case about anything. Doctor will find a doctor who will. And you look at the facts. You will see what I see. An overly zealous Catholic investigator. Is that what you want to make this about? Nothing that man did that protects women or children. And you don't have to be a pro-life activist to see that. Kermit Gosnell is perhaps the most prolific serial killer in American history. Better win. Now... Now, that is the trailer for Gosnell, and I have to say right out the gate, before we go through the questions, that 
you need to get out and see this film while you can. It will probably be on DVD by the time this is posted. Um, it is already being um, taken out of theaters that has been playing it, and people are, are bowing to pressure not to show it. Um, some people are having to drive a long ways to go see it. Um, so if you get a chance to see it on DVD or however you see it, please do. Um, I think it's important because, like I said, it will renew your zeal for this important cause. You know, the thing it, the thing that gets to me is like, it may, there might have been a time in the seventies where you can make the case that you know you're pregnant, but you don't realize that the baby is a baby. Yep. And, and under that guise, you could abort the baby and at least kind of be safe in your conscience saying, I did what I had to do and it wasn't a baby anyway. But yep. now with ultrasound technology and the way that we know things about the baby, such as the fact that the heart starts beating after two weeks and, you know, you can just see a fully formed baby um, after a certain amount of weeks. I was born six months along, uh -huh. uh, three months early. So I was born two weeks after you. <laughs> obviously, I'm viable. And uh, so the the time for plausible deniability is over. You can believe in the right to abortion if you want, but you cannot be in a place anymore where you say abortion isn't murder. No. No, in fact, um, my biology teacher in high school had um, a miscarried baby in formaldehyde to show students what it was. And there was a, um, a young teenage pregnancy. She came in. She didn't tell anybody she was pregnant. And he was teaching and she saw that. Uh, fast forward, you know, 16 or so years later, her daughter comes in and tells him that because her mom saw that baby in a jar, that's why she's alive. Oh, man, that's that's a powerful story. And that was in your high school? That was my high school. Yeah, that that's a very powerful story. And I wish more people could have experiences like that and know that there are people that love them. Mm -hmm. And love their babies. You know, there's a lot of people that want to adopt. Yes. Oh, yes. And the older I get, the less likely it seems to be that I will have biological children. But if I ever marry, that is one thing that I would want to do if we couldn't have our own children is to adopt um, someone else's children. Yes. Who doesn't want them so that that child could have life. Because, you know, I was raised pro-life, so... I always consider myself 100% pro-life. And then I worked for 10 years um, um, for Right to Life of Michigan. And I said coming out of there that I consider myself 500% pro-life. <laughs> because when you're presented with as much data and as much facts as I was during my time there, you can't do anything else but be more pro-life. But I was – even then I was troubled by some of the mindsets even among pro-lifers because I feel like the way – People approach having children and planning to have children and scheduling their children in certain respects almost seems, you know, borderline as bad as the person who aborts a baby for lack of convenience. And yes. I, I once heard a speaker say that we care more about drywall than we do about the next generation because we still have people with big houses. Interestingly oh, enough, some of the biggest population control people 
or some of the biggest woe is me people like Al Gore have these big mansions and ride, ride around in jets while at the same time saying the world is overpopulated and we need to get rid of greenhouse gases because it's bad for the environment. Now, I'm not saying don't take care of your environment, but what, I'm, what I am saying is that we need a balanced view. And that balanced view is that people are more important than animals, that we were given the earth to subdue it and yeah. to care for the animals and to control the animal populations. But God said, be fruitful and multiply, and he never rescinded that command. And uh, that's always been a very important thing to me. I'm the oldest of 11 kids, and all of my siblings have helped me do things, and I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for each of them in my life. So, yep. you know, and my my mom's like, if you don't think we should have this big family, which one should we get rid of? <laughs> that's what she always said, you know. So, yeah. do you have some questions? Yes, we do have questions. What are some of the positives of this movie? Well, uh, I'll preface this by saying that, first of all, I know a lot of the characters in the film are composites. Yes. Um, they didn't use a lot of the the real players. Kermit Gosnell, of course, is a real person. I thought that the actor who played him did a fantastic job. I mean, it's a weird role to be fantastic at because he was a, kind of a sadistic guy. Yep. But if it was a mainstream film, I would think he would at least garner a consideration for an Oscar because he did a very fine job. Yes. The role – Very hard to do too. The role – Played by Dean Kane, um, was the lead detective, and he was actually a real person. His character was actually a real person. But interestingly enough, when they showed his picture at the end of the credits, or at the end during the credits, they they blocked out his face. Yeah, because there's be too many haters. Yeah, probably because he's still an active detective in Philly P PD, and because there's too many haters, like you said. So I thought that was interesting um, that uh, this this film is uh, based on a book written by the screenwriters of the film about the court case and drawn directly from court transcripts. So it's very interesting that way. It's almost a documentary in, in yeah, some ways. It is. It's a, kind of a docudrama. Yep. So then as we've spoken of the positives, now let's speak about the negatives. Well, it's a difficult subject to cover. And yes. like I said, they do a very tasteful job of it. Like they're showing pictures of, in evidence and there's one that they show, they, they're showing the jury of an unborn baby who is yes. very far along in his gestation. And, um, Kermit Gosnell is actually quoted as saying, this baby could practically walk me to the bus stop. Oh no. Ba basically meaning this is a viable human being. Um, you know, it's just that we decided to kill the baby. And he would literally, after the babies were born, would snip the spinal cords. Oh, no. And allow them to die if they didn't die in the abortion procedure. And so this is these are these are real things. And they could only get him on three, but they're pretty sure that he did it more than that. Oh, man. So the the deal, though, is that. Again, it's tough stuff. So you could, you could say it's not comfortable to, to watch through or, or endure as you're watching it. But yeah, I, think I think sometimes we're too comfortable. Yeah. That so I, I could say in a way that it's negative, but like I said, it, it reignited a fire under me 
to share yeah. this message. And that's why ultimately, even though I hesitated, that's why this podcast episode is being made because it needs to be talked about. Yeah, it's it's never a comfortable subject. It's never an easy subject. That doesn't mean you don't need to talk about it. So who is your favorite character? Um, I like the the prosecuting attorney of Gosnell um, because she really goes through a journey in this film. Uh-huh. And again, I I don't know how accurate the exact character is, but apparently it's based on one of the attorneys that worked in the prosecution, even though she wasn't the lead prosecutor. Uh-huh. But I think the interesting thing about it was the way that originally she's a pro-choice person. And she has a kid, apparently. And, well, she has five kids, interestingly enough, which, again, I don't know how accurate that is. But I do think it's interesting that, like, Nancy Pelosi has, like, five kids. And she calls herself a Catholic, but she's also one of the most boldly liberal um, pro-choice politicians in the whole Congress. Yeah. Because apparently it's okay for her to have kids, but nobody else. She's a Um, little nuts. (laughs) Well, I don't want to get derailed on politics, but but I really liked her character because the journey that she goes on is one where at first she's like, I'm pro-choice, but this guy's wrong. And then the more she looks into it, the more pro-life she becomes. Now, she never comes out at the end and says, I'm pro-life now. Yeah. But just the journey that she goes on and she realizes more and more how this is totally unacceptable. And yeah. just to see her, her grow in the film and face the things that she, you know, she never wanted to face but needed to, that was encouraging in the film. So I think she was my favorite character. That's great. So now that we've spoken of the favorite, how about your least favorite? Well, my least favorite, it would be easy to say Kermit Gosnell. Um, but well, he's supposed to be kind of a hate but, sink. But I would say his uh, his defense attorney. Oh, um, because uh, he's basically uh, trying to paint him as this regular guy, oh, and no. you know, just doing what abortionists have to do to help people. He was painted as not a rich man doing things for low income people, and you know. And at first I wondered if – I always wonder when I watch these films what the beliefs of the people behind the film are, whether they really believe in what they're doing. And you almost had to to do a film of this magnitude. Like Dean Cain has made himself known as a conservative. And actually Nick, Nick Searcy who played the defense attorney, uh-huh. he actually was the director of the film and uh, he is a conservative and he knew that he was going to take a hit in Hollywood for making this film. And he also, I don't know if you ever listened to Rush Limbaugh, but he's, al- but he's also sat in Rush Limbaugh's seat behind the excellence in broadcasting microphone and guest hosted on occasion for Rush. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but if you watch the film, you'll see Nick Searcy in that role as the defense attorney. And he was probably... Other than Gosnell, one of my least favorite, because of course he's trying to minimize everything that Gosnell did, which was awful. Yeah. On one hand, that's kind of his job as a defense attorney. On the other hand, I don't know why he would want to take it that but case. If you're going to be a principled defense attorney or even a principled prosecutor, yeah. you have to believe that the person is guilty or innocent. If you truly believe that you're just trying to 
uh, get them innocent or guilty depending on your role, then yeah. you really – then if you don't believe it, then you really should step aside. Yeah, I mean I'm true. sure there's plenty of high-profile defense attorneys that will get you off no matter what or try to get you off no matter what. But if you want to be a person of principle, yeah, that should not be the case. And that's not even getting into the poor newbie defense attorneys who have to defend whatever the state tells them to. Yeah. So now that we've speak, spoken of your characters, what do you think is the biggest lesson you took from this film? I think the biggest lesson is to pay attention uh, to what's going on around you. I don't know if you caught it in the trailer, but the health inspector says we were specifically told by the governor to ignore Kermit Gosnell's business. Yeah, I noticed that. And one of the things that we did when I worked at Right to Life in Michigan, that was one of the very specific things that we worked at on was to say we need to have medical standards for these abortion clinics. And a lot of clinics in Michigan have closed because they didn't meet medical standards. And when we said, hey, you have to bring these up to hospital standards, which you would think it's a it's a severe medical procedure. Even if you're a proponent of it, you have to believe that it's a major medical procedure. You know, you're ripping something out of your body. Yeah, some people seem to think you just take this little happy magic pill and magically it'll go away. You have to do a major a surgery in order to have an abortion. It's a basically cesarean surgery. And so you really need to have adequate medical professionals. One yes. of the things that was brought out in the film was that he had people that were not nurses or any sort of medical professionals administering anesthesia. And when they asked one of the people, how much training have you had? They said 20 minutes. Oh, no. Now, think about when you were training to run the board for this podcast and how much time you spent doing that. Probably total, if you count the time that you came in and observed and then the time that you spent with Adam by yourself and also working with Adam in the studio uh, with with me doing shows, you probably got, I don't know, three or four hours of training total. And that was on top but, of my schooling in college. And that and that is nothing – yeah, and that is this, – this is nothing as – nearly as consequential to or that complicated. As, as there is – to administering anesthesia to medical patients. Yeah. That's, so it's ridiculous to think that that actually happened. For the anesthesiologists, the people who give anesthesia, 60% of their pay goes to insurance in case they somehow screw up. 60% of their pay. So if you're, get go, if you're using an amateur, you're in big trouble. If you're using an amateur, you're probably dead. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of troubles caused by that. Yeah, I imagine so. Quite a few deaths, I imagine. So how do you rate this film? This is a toughie. I remember thinking about uh, The Passion of the Christ, and it's kind of like one of those films. Like, you don't go there and you say, oh, I really enjoyed this film. No. But when you think about the fact that the message that it conveyed and the thinking that it makes you do, I I have to give it a four out of five. Uh, For... uh Technical quality at the very least or because um, of how they present the message? Well, how they present the message, definitely. I think the technical quality probably could have been a little bit higher budget. Yeah. But I believe they worked with a $2.5 million budget. Which is low for Hollywood. So if you consider paying actors 
and hiring all the behind the scenes staff. And then, just buying the equipment. Then you have to realize that that's going to be, that it's a pretty significant thing that they did. Um, yes. the message was done well. And like I said, they were very, um, judicious in how they portrayed things because they didn't just show a bunch of blood and gore no. and, and expect to move you to squeamishness and make you change that way. But they just wanted to convey a message and present it. And to be fair, they were fair, I think, to both sides. You know, they, they never came down on the side and said, abortion is wrong. You know, the, the attorney's office was very clear. They were like, we don't want this to be about speaking against abortion. Yes. But if this guy is a sadistic murderer, then we need to get him. Yep. And, and that's so, hard to do. And so that's what the focus of the film was because yeah. that was what the focus of the trial is. And yes, I do hope that it woke people up to the realities because the thing that gets me the most about this whole issue is you can't – how can you say that if I want a baby, I can name it in the womb – buy all the clothes for it, get the nursery ready, be uh-huh. all excited for its arrival. But the same baby, if I didn't want it, I could just kill it and it doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. I don't understand how you can say both of those things. And yet that yep. is the world in which we live today. And so I really think that this movie will be at the least thought provoking and it's so important. Yes. Yeah, and I I do hope I do hope that it changes a lot of people's feelings. Um, for me, I'm kind of a hobbyist with history, and so I was looking through ancient history. And in Rome, you weren't considered a human being until you reached five years of age. And it's actually scary how there's certain people that are talking about the fact that we need to go even further in our pro-abortion view. Like you should a lot be allowed seven. I heard something recently. There are certain ultra liberal liberal politicians that were saying you should have a seventy-two hour period to decide whether you want your baby or you should be allowed to kill it. Now that seems fringy. That seems awkward. That seems very awkward. It seems very wrong. But we all know how slippery the slopes can get. Yeah. So you start to introduce it, and it becomes kind of acceptable, which is unacceptable. Exactly. And so uh, so I do give caution. I think 15 or 16 is the youngest age you should watch it. But I do yes. encourage you to watch it with your kids. Like I said, it should be out on DVD by the time you're hearing this. And um, I will definitely post if it becomes available on a streaming service by the time I post it. Because um, uh-huh. I really think it needs to be watched. And I think – People need to be encouraged to watch it and to have their thinking challenged. I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of times we, when we debate, we get in such heated arguments that we're like, we shouldn't debate at all. Yeah. But the very, the very essence of this country was kind of founded on debate. Reasonable, rational debate. Yes. Not this hysterionic yelling at well, people. If you look at the Lincoln Douglas debates when they ran for president. Yeah. They had such a respect for each other. First of all, they would do like an hour and then an, and then an hour rebuttal, not these thirty second sound bites that we always get in debates today. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the first thing. And the second thing was that they respected each other so much that even when Lincoln won, Stephen Douglas held his hat during the inauguration. 
Yes. Because he didn't hold it against him personally for winning. He no. still cared about the unity of the country over winning the presidency. Yes. And I really think that's what, something we need to get back to yep. on all sides of these issues. Yep. And, and with any movie like this one, you really do have to set aside time to talk about it with your children or with your friends just so that you don't just see and forget about it. Oh, exactly. That's why we're talking about it here because it is so important. And like you said, it's not something that you eat the popcorn, you watch it for an hour and a half, and then you get up and go your way. It's something that hopefully will stimulate you to action. So with that, I will say thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I, like I said, I hope you get out and see this film. And I hope that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 